Blog Talk Radio. Straight from the heart of Texas, it's the Lauren Galley Show. Real talk, real issues, real teams and experts discuss teen pressures in today's media-centric society. Actress, model, and president of Girls Above Society, here's your host, Lauren Galley. Hello, everybody. It's Lauren here, and we have an amazing show tonight. I can't tell you how excited I am about it. I took three exams today, life of a college student, so I'm excited to have an amazing conversation and end my night on a really positive note with, I have to say, there's a lot of girl power in this show tonight and some really powerful women on the line, so you're definitely going to want to listen up. And so I'm just going to introduce our guest first, and then we'll get started on the topic of the show tonight, because our first guest, Dana Wendt, is going to be able to tell you all about our topic a lot better than I can. She is the CEO of Golden Family Company and founder of Zuz, which we're going to be talking about what that is because the first time I heard that word, I was very curious about what that meant. Very, very exciting. She is very, very passionate about girl empowerment, girl self-confidence. We have so much in common, so I can't wait for you to get to meet her. And also on the line, we have Becca Moore. She is an education expert, and she is coming at us from Ohio and she's the director of education for my nonprofit organization, Girls Above Society. So I've worked with Becca for a long time. Absolutely love her. She's going to have great input. And our last guest, really exciting, is Robin Galley, and she is my mom. So she's going to be the mom expert tonight with that perspective. So really, really great group <laughs> of women on the line. So excited. So, Dana, tell us what is Juj, because I know that's what everyone's wondering right now. Um, Zhuzh is power, confidence, and an epic state of awesomeness. And it's a power that each and every girl is born with. And I'll back up a little bit because it's, it's at first a little bit of a hard word to say. But once you're able to say it, right. it's so much fun. And our girls are using it in conversation. And it can kind of take on lots of different meanings, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to give them a real word for that power that's inside of them. So... The way that you say zhuzh, it has this nice little zh sound in the beginning, so it's zh, and then it ends with an uzh, so it's zhuzh. And zhuzh came into being um, because my, my dad would use the word all the time. And it was something, okay, my dad would wake up very early, um, he was a sales guy. He started his day. He had to do a lot of driving, um, and he would always have several jobs at one time while running his own company. And he would get up very early, and he had this fantastic feathered Neil Diamond haircut. And, <laughs> like, you couldn't interrupt him when he was blow-drying his hair and getting it just right because it was really, really critical. And when he kind of just nailed it and everything was in place, that he would just kind of strut down the hall and kind of, singing as he went, and he's like, I have so much judge today, and it was his kind of own little empowerment talk to get himself excited for what he had to do that day, and as I got older and I would face challenges, my, my dad was the kind of dad, he didn't spend time saying, oh my God, you're perfect, the world owes you this, my dad was the guy that said, yeah, it's a challenge, get up and do it, you, you, you've got this, you've got judge." And it was it was always quick, it was to the point, but it was that little boost that I needed to say, okay, challenges aren't unusual. Challenges are going to constantly come up, but it's it's how I get up and deal with them. 
so it was it became something we used with our kids to remind them you're amazing um and it it just always became something that my daughter was using all the time and that was that was really the inception of of zhuzh I love it. I love it. And now you've used this concept or this word, which I absolutely love, and I can't believe I never heard of this before I met you because I'm obsessed with it now. But you've used this to create a product in the company that's really amazing. So tell us a little bit um, the inspiration behind that and how, why you connected with you. Well, you know, there were these – it actually started very simply, and um, we were – headed to the beach. So of course, 30 days before, I'm kind of in a bit of a panic and I start eating these these great snack bars. And I love the 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 nutritional label and it had the things I wanted and it didn't have the things I didn't want. Well, I was sort of eating them by the truckload and my daughter Hadley was like, "Oh, you're eating these all the time. They must be good. Can I try one?" I was like, "Yeah." And so she tried one. She's like, "Oh, these are good. Can you put these in my lunch?" for my snack time. I, of course, did. And 30 days later, I met up with my mom. I was kind of, you know, I show up with my big bag of bars, and I was like, Mom, am I overthinking this? Like, this this bar has this weight management message to it, and I'm putting it in Hadley's lunch. Should I, am I, I'm, I've got to be overthinking that. And she's like, oh, my God, you're not overthinking it. Your daughter's 12. You cannot put that message in front of her every single day. And so we went to, like, five different grocery stores, and we're like, oh, there's, there's totally going to be cool, cute snacks for teen girls that help me sell healthy food to her, right? That makes perfect sense. This can't be a novel right. idea. But there weren't. <laughs> and instead, what we came home with um, were all these, like, all these products that were targeting females. We literally dumped them all over the counter. And we got, like, kind of more and more frustrated because, you know, there were tape measures. There were all these weight management pitches. There were silhouettes of, of very, very slim um, people. And we just kind of said, oh, my gosh, this is how food speaks to us. And um, we both kind of looked at each other. And uh, my parents had had a dairy solids company for 30-plus years. And we said, you know, Mom and I looked at each other and said, oh, we can do this. Let's make a bar. Let's make a bar for teen girls that doesn't have all these, you know, junky ingredients and junky messages, um, but it has something really positive for them. And it just kind of evolved. It really was that sort of, like, light bulb in the head, let's do this. Um, you know, here we are three years later, and uh, we've built not only a snack bar, but we also have scaled a protein shake um, that has fun coffee house flavors. And, you know, it's been an amazingly intense project and so fueled by so much passion, but also we've hit so many challenges along the way um, that it really is the story of Zhuzh and, and finding Zhuzh, even within ourselves. I love it. It's so amazing how you took this concept or this word that you grew up with and, and you saw a need in society or a need in your life and many other women's, and you said, you know, I'm going to fill that need and make it positive. And I really admire that. And, and Becca, um, I know you're a, a triathlete, and so I know that you, you know, the protein bars and everything. So what's your perspective on the media and these negative messages that girls are receiving that Dana talked about? Well, you know, it's kind of funny that she said that because, especially as a triathlete, like you're always looking at the, the protein, the sugars, and, and stuff because you're kind of like trained to do that. 
but she's right. Like, it's so funny because I've looked at the bars, like, Slim Fast has a bar, like, Slim Fast. I mean, that just the word itself is like, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> I know it says Slim. So I actually um, was training it the last few days, and so I actually tried her chocolate chip cookie dough protein bar before I did it when I, when I was doing a three-hour workout, and it was super good and, you know, did everything that maybe a bar that I picked up in the store would have done for me. And then this morning, I ate the Sinfully Good Chocolate Mint Protein Bar because <laughs> I did an hour on the trainer and then an hour run. And I was like, this is like a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> it was it totally so is. That's my favorite. Um, you know, it was, you know, even when we did the sensory panel testing, that was everyone's like, oh, my gosh, it takes just like, you know, so-and-so cookie, um, which was great because that was, you know, something that especially with this age group, we mm-hmm. were not going to hit it if it didn't taste good. I mean, that was hands down the two things our girls said, well, it has to look cute. And <laughs> the second thing, it has to taste good. Um, yeah. And so between those two pieces, that was really important. And then, of course, mom chimed in and said, I don't want all the sugar, I don't want all the junk, and I need to be able to afford it. Um, right. Those those were the other pieces that when we got out of the building and we're, we're talking to girls and moms, um, and I can't leave the dads out because there are many, many dads that um, are very impassioned about this, and they want something positive for their girls and I'm, as well. And I'm going to say, too, Lauren, as an athlete and stuff, when – and I know being a girl, especially, like, I'm I'm looking for cute stuff. Like, you know, being a triathlete, people think, you're like, your hair is always crappy. And, you know, right. I'm the triathlete that is wearing lipstick and my nails are painted <laughs> and stuff. So the thing I love about this, too, is that it's so girly and it has such a positive message on it. So it says strong girl, rock girl, glam girl, you know, sporty girl sassy girl so I think it sends a positive message hey it's okay to be sporty and and glammy and um still rock it and you can and do that so you know I really it kept me going when I was doing um three-hour workouts so I think it sends an amazing message and I looked at all my other triathlon bars and nothing um put out the good message like like this did it wasn't it isn't giving you false advertising like oh you'll finish strong or oh this will help you you know get through your workout it doesn't it doesn't say that so I I I like that about it too well and I love that you brought that up because that's that's really one of the you know in addition to like you said getting that sugar out giving a reasonable amount of protein and then let's not give them a bar that's like 70 grams that's you know, for like a weightlifter yeah. that's that's just like so big, it ends up being we really didn't want meal replacements. We wanted just a great healthy snack because obviously something that's a meal replacement would go totally anti-message for us. Um, and striking on that other note, when you were talking about the glam and the sassy and the strong and the sporty, that our girls um, all have different passions. And I know for me, piano was my sport, so I'm kind of the music to the power of girl. I think um, I also loved forensics and debate team. I was kind of that normal, I was that academic girl. So, you know, and some girls really love fashion, and I don't want them to not like fashion just because there's a lot of, you know, messages that are out there with, you know, love what you love. But just right. when you add yourself to something, it's, it's exponentially better. I love that. I just love the message behind it so much and how it has all those different adjectives, like you were saying. So every girl will 
will have something that relates to them. And just talking about the positive messaging on the packaging, I'm just curious, Mom, when I was growing up and you were shopping for food or snacks for me, did you ever think about that? Because, I mean, it seems like a long time ago to me, but it really wasn't that long ago. You know, when I was a kid, you were looking for things just like Dana was just saying. So um, what what is your perspective on that? (laughs) Well, you are still a kid. <laughs> You're not always. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there first. And I'm not a triathlete, you know, so I'm going to give you, right. you know, what I see from it, you know, as a mom. And when you were, I was more or less a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, I did not have a job outside the home. And, but I directed a lot of musical theater for about a decade. And I saw the struggle that parents face having a career, having children, you want the best for your kids, you want you want them to eat great, and we all know that school food is not that great. Um, so, of course, when it comes to a snack or, or you know, the after-school snack that you can get um, before you go do the five sports that you're interested in or all the clubs that you have to do, you want it quick and you want it fast, but you want it to be good. And the days of, you know, let me count out the grapes and the crackers and, you know, putting all of this healthy food in front of kids at a reasonable time is gone because life is very fast-paced. So it was a real struggle to find something, and I can honestly say that there was not a single health bar that I would have chosen to purchase for you that would have fit you as a teen girl. Wow, and that says a lot right there. So that, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, when I see them in the stores and you see, you know, granola bars and and things that you want to be healthy, but they're really loaded with sugar. When you look at the the, um, ingredients on them, and I think moms are busy, and they're like, you know, what can I do, what can I get, and they're just they're just going with it. Well, this is the the best of all evils. You know, none of it's great, but th- this one is going to satisfy my kids the best and what they're going to like. And kids are addicted to sugar. They want things that taste sweet, cereal, all those kinds of, you know, bread and things like that. They have right. a ton of sugar. And it's not good for kids and diabetes and everything else that's happening in the world today because we're all so busy. So my take on this is that, it is vital and it's crucially important that we give young girls something that's great for them to eat on the go. They need a great snack. But the fact that it has this message in it that doesn't say, like Becca said, slim fast, or they think that I think of what they're seeing. I know you're going to talk about this because I know you, Lauren, but you know <laughs> what you girls, what you young girls are seeing in the media and the pressures that it's putting on these girls. The negative messages of slim fast and lose lose five pounds in five days and all of this kind of stuff, it is a it's a horrible, vicious cycle, and I could probably go on about it for days because I absolutely <laughs> hate it. So right. I am so on board with this. I think it's amazing, but I got to say there wasn't one out there when you were a younger I don't think there's. I don't think even there is now that I would have been really thrilled about buying for you and giving to you. Well, so and then there's the 
what will they eat? You know, there's that right. that intrinsic right. sort of point. Will they grab this and want to eat it? Um, mm-hmm. That was the you know one of the the critical pieces. But I know, um, Robin, you just touched on it as a as a working mom um, who's committed to not talking about dieting. I was buying those bars and eating them every day, and then I gave them to my child with the weight management pitch because, you know, for me that was fine. Um, and then sure. all of a sudden I realized all this was going on kind of subliminally, and then I was reinforcing right. with my daughter, and it was like, oh, my God, call to action. We totally cannot do this. But why was it okay when I was eating it? Why was that message okay? <laughs> and it's right. like it's not okay. programmed to think that's okay. That right. oh this is how food speaks to us you oh oh you over there you're you've you've got stuff to work on but maybe if you eat our bar you can be better and it's like oh my god that's a really abusive way to talk to somebody that like mm-hmm. you sort of stink but if you eat our stuff you'll get better um, I think there's right. a much much better way to to get girls to eat healthy things that taste good that they that they love I agree I definitely I agree on that. And it's yeah, too hard when you're working. That's oh, it's a busy thing, and it's not something you think about all the time. So it does you know, slip our minds a lot, and and I think that's a big part of the problem is that we, like you said, you don't think about what the words you're seeing, whether it's on packaging, marketing, in the media, what it's doing to your self confidence, but it actually does have an effect on everyone's self-esteem of all ages, and um, my mom mentioned this, you know, just the pressures alone that teen girls are facing in today's society. And, you know, we it's no surprise, like, we all know that there's this huge lack of self-esteem in teen girls, and we sit around and wonder why, and, and we don't stop and think about these little small things, the little words you see, but it's on a daily basis, and it slowly becomes part of who they are. So even just putting the bars aside for a minute, I mean, as as a mom of a teenager, how how do you feel about the pressures teen girls are facing? And, you know, through the media, what, what have you noticed among your daughter and her friends seems to be the biggest issue there? Um, Lauren, is that for me? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, it's really, I don't think I realized until this project how intense that was since she goes to school um, for eight hours every day and has after-school activities. There's so much that's not in my control. And it's so easy to get to her now because she is always hooked up to a device. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's that, it's the messages that they're getting when we're not there, when you know, that that's where this message comes in, that we felt like this was such a vital way to remind them to, you know, let's not listen to that. How about if you start talking about the things that you believe in and that you draw power from and start, let's start drowning out those voices because that's the only way they're going to, they're really going to stop. But, you know, it was, it was, again, it was looking at the messages my daughter was getting when she, when she wasn't with me. And so how can I build her up so that, you know, she has this this fulfillment and this sort of, this power to not listen to all that. That's really the, the the hardest part as a parent. I can definitely imagine, and I always say that I wouldn't want to be the parent of a teenager today because there's so it's 
there's just so much that that goes into being a teenage girl now. It's just so overwhelming. And um, a lot of decisions you have to make as a parent. And, Becca, I'm curious. Um, I know you have a daughter, Ella, and she, she's like four or five. So how do you feel about this? Do you worry about her getting older in today's society? You know, Lauren, I'm always worried. But I'm not, you know, because of being in education, I just worry about all girls, you know, not just my own. Um, so, but, yeah, I do. I'm always looking because it seems like, you know, at this age she's got Hello Kitty and, you know, the princesses, and that's fine. But then there's like this, then there's like nothing, you know. So it's like we have all this positive, right. be kind, and read. And then even the tweens, so let's say third grade, because Eli's in third grade. So, like, third grade, having, you know, I go around different schools. I feel like in third grade already, girls are talking about their clothes are too tight. Or, or we ate lunch with Eli, and they're like, oh, well, I don't eat that because, you know, I, I don't want to eat too much at lunch. I'm like, what? <laughs> Great. That's you know, crazy. You know, so I, I think I constantly have to wor- worry. So for me, I always try to live, you know, live by the example. I, I'm careful with what I eat, but I want to eat healthy stuff. And, you know, Nate and I try to cook together in front of our kids and cook healthy stuff together. When we do eat protein bars, you know, we eat what we eat, the kids eat too. So, you know. I think that that's important, too. So, yeah, I'm always looking at that stuff, and I'm kind of careful with what the labels say. And my best friend who's been best friends with me since seventh grade is, like, super crazy about it. So, you know, <laughs> I have somebody that I can kind of bounce off of, too. And being in education, you know, you're constantly looking for that stuff. So, for me, I, I am looking for something that's going to be positive even for Ella when she's, like, in third grade, because I think that's where media is targeting, whether they know it or not. You know, it's so true. starting young. 80% of 10-year-old girls are on a diet. I mean, that's that's before they're even hitting puberty. I mean, it's absolutely absolutely shocking. Um, And actually what was interesting um, on Good Morning America this week, Ashley Graham who um, is a, a model and really kind of body awareness activist. She has been talking about this and, and really kind of bringing to the forefront that uh, mothers are very, our daughters are watching us, and they're watching everything we say and everything we eat. And that this, when I think about 10-year-old girls on a diet, when I think about the bar that I was eating, and I was always, I was never going to be, you know, I made a pact that I wasn't going to talk about those things, but there I was. That we're so programmed, I don't, I don't think we realize that that they're watching us, and it's it's a really, really critical conversation. It definitely is, and and like you said, that statistic that eighty percent of ten year old girls are on a diet just blows my mind because. Like I was saying, I mean, it seems like a long time ago in my head that I was a younger teenager, you know, like 13, 14. But, I mean, I'm only 20 now. So it's really not that long ago in the scheme of things. And to think that just 10 years ago when I was 10, I I had never thought about a diet. You know, that was not anywhere in my mindset. I didn't think about the size of my friends. So just the fact that it's changed so much in 10 years it's scary to think, well, what's going to happen in 10 more years if, if more people don't make try to make a difference, like you are with the juice bars, and, you know, to try to combat that, 
it, it really does scare me. And I feel like social media has a lot to do with that. You know, girls, like we were saying, you know, at 10 years old, they're on social media and they're worried about their likes and followers and comments. And, and of course, that's going to make girls question their own self-worth. So, um, Dana, how do you feel about social media at a young age? I mean, what age should girls use social media? Like, what does your daughter say about it? I mean, just what is your your um, perspective on that? You know, we've our kids were very late to get phones um, and and hook on to social media. Not that I'm sure it wasn't taking place at school, um, but, but we we had some guidelines in the beginning and tried to follow those as best as we could, but now and then we'd find some holes in our philosophy. Um, and so, oh, oh, right. we totally missed that. Um, but that with with her, um, what's really interesting is my, my daughter is very, very concerned about she doesn't let people very often post photos. Actually, this is her freshman year of high school is her first year I've ever seen a photo posted of her. And that was something she didn't want out of her control, especially in junior high, because there was so much bullying that went on. And right. people taking other people's photos and Photoshopping them and doing different things that were really, really inappropriate. And so Hadley just didn't post on social media. She would follow what was going on, but but she didn't post because she didn't feel like that that was something that, that she was ready for, just based on what what was happening to other kids. So I think she, that's she, probably a smart decision on her part. Well, especially if she wasn't ready for that, for that level. She's like, Mom, and just and we had just moved um, to where we were, so socializing was was kind of she was breaking into different social circles. But yeah, she wanted to be very very careful with her reputation and what she was posting. So it's definitely been a big conversation in our household. Mom, I know you have a. Um a lot to say about social media and the effect on girls because I know that we've talked about it a lot. So um, why don't you just share your perspective because I I know it kind of balances or reflects what Dana just said. Well, you know, what comes to mind um, immediately is when you were in middle school and you were bullied. And, you know, we're we're talking about a, a very likable young girl who, you know, wants peace for all mankind and believes that everyone should just be really nice to each other. She had a very warped sense of how life really was. But that was truly her her thought process, you know, is just why can't we all get along and be nice? So when she was bullied, it really, um, it was very shocking to her, you know, like, she didn't do anything wrong. She was never in conflict. She really stayed away from drama. So all it takes is for one young girl to be jealous. And even when Warren was in middle school, social media was just, you know, beginning with MySpace. It was just becoming a trending um, to where it was the norm for kids to communicate. So these young girls forget how to communicate. So instead, they take it to social media. So every ounce of their thought is spilled out for everyone to see. So the fact that, you know, one girl was very jealous of Lauren 
she decided, you know what, I'm taking it to social media for the world to see, and I'm going to write paragraphs of how horrible I think that she is and how everyone should not like her. And that one epic moment broke her entire being in an unbelievable way and in a way that I never thought that it would happen because I felt like Lauren had a lot of zhuzh. I really (laughs) felt like she was full of it. You know, so to see how social media can shape youth and shape these young girls, it was really a wake-up call for me because I felt completely helpless of, you know, all the parents are, you know, you've heard it a million times, moms tell daughters, don't worry about honey, she's just jealous, you know. Well, I I don't have to go to school for eight hours a day and you know, Lauren felt like there was a microscope on her, and everybody in the world knew what was written. All the kids knew what was written. And this is a very harsh environment to have our children in and not have them know how to handle it. So the effect that they have on each other is, and they don't empower each other because there's this fierce competition that goes on. Who got the boy? Who's friends with who? Where do I fit in? So I think that as I see Lauren travel and speak to these young girls, I am in 100% agreement that it is, it's time. You know, it's really time for girls to learn to empower each other and give each other these great positive messages because they all have something so amazing to offer to this world. But it doesn't take much to really send them on these downward spirals. And the media and the way, you know, you just take Instagram for an example, you know, Victoria's Secret, if if all these 10-year-olds are following them and they seeing what's posted, that's the idea of what they should be like, what's perfection, how they should behave. You know, they need a boyfriend at the age of 10. They, you know, there's all of these things that come in very, very early and they're very manipulated by it. So I am in really 100% passionate about spreading a new message for girls. And the zhuzh is, like Dana said, I have my own kind of zhuzh, and Dana has her own, and Lauren has her own. But just imagine when you get all of it together and you make something happen, how epic everybody's life is. And so that, I think, is important. So you have to have a stop to social media, just like when, Lauren, when you were in school, the big thing in school was don't smoke. You know, right. and they, they, they bombarded, the, the media got onto it and bombarded it so much that smoking's not that cool anymore. So I feel like the same thing needs to happen um, because it's not cool to not be able to use your zhuzh and rock it your own way. I I just feel like that it's senseless for these girls to feel like they can't do that because of media. And, Lauren, you talked about that in your your TED Talk, that it's amazing what you can say to another person when it's remotely through a computer. I mean, when there's Mm -hmm. no eye contact, when there's no body language, when there's not the watching you just crush someone and there's no consequence. 
that these right. the, the things that can be said are absolutely shocking. Um, that that yeah, those are things that we didn't face. Um, if someone gave you a nasty note, it's something you could go and you know throw in the trash. It's not something that's posted for the world to see for it to go around epically, um, or excuse me, epically. But you know, <laughs> one of the things I thought that was really great, Lauren. I'm you know, how do you feel like based on your TED talk? How do these girls combat combat those messages? I would say that's one of the biggest issues that girls bring up to me. And whenever we talk about social media, they all have a different story now about something that happened in their school that was the talk of the school, and it all happens on social media, usually it's Instagram. And they make these anonymous accounts, and it's, you know, the uglies of blah, blah, blah middle school, and they post pictures of people, make fun of them. And it's anonymous, and they think it's okay. And and one girl was telling me the story actually recently when I, I did a girl talk, and she said that um, I did a girl talk at a conference, and she said, yeah, they they started this account at my school. They posted a picture of me, and the account was supposed to be, like, the ugliest people in their school. And she said that it really hurt her feelings, and then that that person who made the account, it was a boy, actually, which kind of surprised me because it sounded like something a girl would do, but it was a boy, and he ended up getting um, expelled from school. And I thought, well, it's about time a school got involved and actually took that seriously because that could really, really harm a child's self-concept by doing that. And she said, yeah, but he got, ex- um, you know, expelled, and he just remade the account and still posted me things about us. So it's, it, it's really hard to to stop someone from doing that when it's anonymous. And I would think getting expelled would be a big consequence, but I guess his mindset was, well, I already got expelled. What else is going to happen? You know, so it's really sad that this happens. And um, we were actually just talking about in my in my psychology class, because I'm, I'm a psychology major, about de-individuation. And it's when when someone feels anonymous that they they do things that aren't normally in their character. So I don't think it's that these kids are evil or they're mean. It's just that they feel anonymous. They feel powerful. They're probably insecure. So it it's just a power thing where they feel like they can get away with it and they don't think about the consequences in terms of how they're affecting someone else's self-esteem. And um, it, it's a huge deal. And it, there needs to be more out there like zhuzh. And we need to get ideas like this to be kind of like my mom was saying, the new cool thing, the popular thing to do. So that when someone does make that anonymous account, like I told her, I said, well, why are you talking about it? That's what the person wants. Just ignore the account. Don't comment on it. Don't follow them. And they won't do it. And she looked at me like that was the craziest thing she'd ever heard. Like she had never thought of that. So I think that the idea of just ignore the negativity and focus on the positivity just really needs to be to be said louder and more people need to start judge and start really making an effort to have positive messages out there for girls. And now um, I definitely want to make sure that we have plenty of time to talk about your Kickstarter because um, that's something that I'm involved with and I'm so excited about it. So tell, tell everyone a little bit about that, how they can get involved, um, what exactly the rewards are. Um, you know, just tell them how, to, how they can look into that. Well, we have, um, like Lauren just said, we have started a Kickstarter campaign. And Kickstarter is this amazing platform that really levels the playing field. Um, we, you know, my, we've been bootstrapping, Zhuzh, 
um, for the last three years, and it's unbelievably expensive to launch any sort of a consumer product. And with that, um, Kickstarter is this great um, fund. You, you can start your own fundraising campaign. And one of the things that is a part of that campaign, it's, it's all or nothing. So you hit it hard. Typically, the most successful campaigns run for 30 days, which is what we've chosen to do. And we have a goal of $38,000 to raise, and that it enables us to do a full production run of our snack bars and all four flavors. It enables us to do a full production run of our snack bars. And, and all four flavors. And, 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 I'm sorry, I have a little echo going on here. Excuse me. Technical <laughs> that's okay, difficulty. I can hear it too. <laughs> um, okay, that yay, that's gone. Um, but uh, <laughs> so we're able to do a full production run, and that allows us to get on shelf um, as well as sell through some online retailers. So that's really exciting. Um, there were other great parts about Kickstarter. It actually got us to. Stop planning. Stop saying we're just not quite ready. We should work on this a little bit more. Let's test this a little bit more. And it got us just to go ahead and launch. So from that perspective, it's been really, really fantastic. We have 19 days left to go, and the pressure is very intense. We knew we would have some challenges due to visibility. Um, one of the things our target audience, teen girls, as well as their moms, are not on Kickstarter. And so we have an informative piece there that we're trying to overcome. And along with visibility, we started this campaign. Zhuzh had 31 Facebook likes, and we had 47 Twitter followers. And that was other than, an, as well as an email campaign of 200 people, that's the extent of our network. So it's, it's a very teeny little megaphone. So um, right. we thought we'd definitely be able to overcome this challenge right away because best-case scenario, you go viral overnight because we're empowering teen girls. What's not to like? This is amazing. <laughs> but when you don't have a megaphone, definitely. it's hard to get out. So, you know, really sharing that sort of um, vulnerable moment and really a judge moment for me is I was really because we didn't charge out of the gates. I was really, there, there's a button on a Kickstarter campaign that you can actually cancel your campaign even once it started, and because we didn't have that instant success, that I was so tempted to hit that cancel button. And no, there's the sort of <laughs> there's this, there's these no, analytics that say you know you you, you really want to be 25 to 30 percent funded in the first few days. Um, and so I was wow. I was panicked, I was scared. And what's interesting, I definitely had this vulnerable moment with my family because we, we talk about everything, and Zhuzh is clearly a very big part of our lives. And my, my son, Forrest, came up to me and, you know, very simply said, um, Mom, you have to prove you have Zhuzh first before anybody else believes in it. And That's my awesome. daughter's next to me. And, you know, of course, my, my 15-year-old daughter, the, the, the wise one, um, says, you know, how can you have failed if you're not at the end? And then, of course, my husband and my best friend, you know, once the kids leave the room, my husband says, you have two kids watching you, and they're going to watch whether you get back up and make this happen. So yep. between those three things, I was like, so I'm totally not hitting the cancel button. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have a team meeting um, and, uh, with, with the judge team, and we're going we're gonna to figure out a way to make this happen. But, you know, really everyone out there in the audience, everyone who listens to this, this radio show, we really need you. Um, your contribution 
could be the the one contribution again because it's all or nothing that that you know your contribution helps a girl know what she's made of and we really want the world to know that it's not just sugar and spice and it's a hell of a lot of judge and it's that <laughs> kind of constant message that we want them to see um, especially when our girls are saying oh my gosh when am I going to be able to get these at school and we made sure our label reads and fits those school guidelines that um, there's this uh, one of the great books that that we've really um, drawn a lot from from our campaign it's it's um, called uh, Raising Strong and Confidence Girls Will Be Girls and it's Raising Confident and Courageous Daughters and it's by Joanne Deke uh, with Teresa Barker and uh, Joanne Deke talks about the gray area, and that's that sort of ambiguity that we know our girls are going to face, and they are going to face that when we're not with them. And how are they going to get back up? Are they going to hit the cancel the campaign button, or are we going to reinforce and allow them to put the power in their own hands? And so that's really what this message is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that, you know, that, that quick reminder, but that get back up again because you're going to have to do it over and over and over again because these messages are everywhere. I can't go take the fashion magazines away from my daughter. She loves them. Um, she's going to be on social media. She's going to get all these things. But what we can do, and especially, you know, I, I feel like this is for us, I feel like part of this messaging, this is on the food companies. It's time for us to change this, all of us, not just shush, but all of us coming to the table and say, no more diet messages, no more of these sorts of, you know, bombarding our girls with negativity. Let's find an, a much different way of doing that. And I think we can all get on board because I, I think that moms and dads were busy and I think we've been so programmed that we didn't realize these things were in our own houses. So, you know, let's let's really help our girls know that that they're the ones that that get to fix things. We're here to remind I them, love but we don't it. get to fix it for them. Right. No, everything you said is so true, and what you're doing is is so amazing and inspiring. And I hope that it inspires um, everyone listening to support you and support Judge because it is something that ne- that needs to be out there. And um, hopefully also more people are inspired to um, take control of this issue of girls' self-confidence and messages in the media and to start similar projects because, you know, the more the merrier in whatever way that they can, um, there can't be enough of it. And uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time. I feel like we could talk about this all night. You know, I could talk to you all. Like I said, I hope we didn't disappoint you or I know that we didn't with the girl power on this radio show because all three of the women on the line right now and I suppose including myself have lots of girl power and we are determined to make a difference in our own ways. So um thank you so much to everyone that is listening and um thank you to all three of you for being incredible guests. And um Dana, make sure you um tell everyone the your social media, so Twitter, website, the Kickstarter, how they can learn more about Zhuzh. Um, well, you can go to zhuzh.com, and that's J-O-U-Z-G-E.com, and I'll spell that again. It's J-O-U-Z-G-E.com, and that's a great way to get started. There are links to our Kickstarter campaign. There's also links to um, Twitter 
as well as Instagram, which we are just getting going, so that's really exciting. Um, there are links to our Facebook page and, of course, um, again, links to, to Kickstarter. And we also um, we had an app that was created especially for Zhuzh, and it was created by VNM USA, which is a marketing group. Um, they are just these amazing men that are in college that created this great app for us, and it actually allows you, um, it's at powerofgirl.com. There's a link to that as well on the Zhuzh website, and you can actually use your phone, upload a photo, and then add your own girl power word. We have one of ten girl power words. You can drag it anywhere you want on the photo. It could be a picture of you, you and your BFF. And really show your girl power. You can download it, use it as your avatar, and post it anywhere on social media just to really reinforce that, that you know, you support your power exponentially. I love it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And make sure to tune in next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, Be- Thanks Becca. Thanks, Robin. <laughs>